You are listening to the audio recording of a video production that may contain visual elements, including charts, slides, and demonstrations. The full video is available on YouTube with more in-depth articles at jamespacini.com. In November 2022, the world's second largest cryptocurrency exchange stopped withdrawals and filed for bankruptcy. The stories of the last week so far fetched a deserve a Netflix documentary. Here we will look at how FTX was able to defraud the crypto industry of somewhere in the region of 10 billion US dollars. SBF and CZ have a long history of animosity. They are founders and CEOs at two of the largest cryptocurrency exchanges. CZ, or Chengpeng Zhao, is CEO at Binance, the world's largest cryptocurrency exchange where people go to swap one cryptocurrency for another. SBF, or Sam Bankman-Fried, is CEO at FTX, an exchange that launched in 2019 and became a major competitor. But this isn't just a story of two billionaires fighting it out. This story includes fraud, drugs, and a financial scam like no other. At the start of this story, CZ was a supporter of Sam and even invested $100 million for 20% of his newly launched exchange. CZ was already familiar with Sam because he was trading large volumes on Binance. This was through Sam's trading firm, Alameda Research. They're an important part of this tale who we'll come back to. Alameda had some success in arbitrage trading, which is basically buying Bitcoin in one place and moving it to another where it sells at a higher price. This had been very profitable in the early days, but edges and margins were getting cut out as new, more sophisticated quant firms were entering the crypto markets. He decides that there's an opportunity to launch his own exchange and that Alameda will act as the main market maker to provide liquidity. FTX is born and it's a huge success. The trading platform had a better UX than anything else the crypto industry has seen. Users flood to the platform, depositing their cryptocurrencies and using it to trade and invest in various other cryptocurrencies and futures contracts. Alameda has access to all the data and is actively counter trading the users on FTX. To distance Alameda from FTX, SBF splits the companies up into a group which allegedly contains 130 different legal entities. SBF focuses attention on FTX growth and these Alameda's trading arms, Caroline Ellison and Sam Trebucho. By August 2021, FTX had grown into a major competitor to Binance and CZ wanted to sell his stake in the business. SBF agreed to purchase it with a deal valued at $2 billion, which included half in FTX's native governance token, FTT. So CZ ended up owning a massive part of the circulating supply of FTX's token. In an interview in 2021, Sam Trebucho explains how Alameda now not only does arbitrage trading, but is also involved in yield farming and taking directional positions on the market. They're effectively placing bets that the market will go in one direction or the other. At a time Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies are making all new time highs, the markets are good, profits are phenomenal, and everything seems fine. The culture at Alameda was kind of like a more degenerate Goldman Sachs. New recruits were encouraged to take stimulants and work 18 hours a day, six days a week. SBF was renowned for sleeping on the trading floor on a beanbag and playing computer games during meetings. And then the co-CEO Caroline Ellison tweeted in May 2021 that there's nothing like regular amphetamine use to make you appreciate how dumb a lot of normal non-Medicaid human experience is. Towards the end of 2021, market sentiment shifted, as it so often does in markets, and prices started to decline. Bitcoin went from 68,000 at the top to where it stands today at just over $16,000. During 2022, we saw the collapse of Terra and a $20 billion stablecoin UST. This shook the industry and pushed one of the most prominent crypto native hedge funds, Free Arrows Capital, into insolvency. In August 2022, Santa Bruto stepped down as CEO of Alameda and brought a boat, presumably to explore international waters. Losses must have been mounting at this time because FTX was lending money to Alameda, money from users' deposits. They're able to do this because their balance sheet showed billions of dollars in assets. However, many of those assets were illiquid and held little real value. There was 5 billion of their own FTT token, another 5 billion US dollars worth of a relatively unused project called Serum. 
These weren't the assets that were loaned to Alameda, however. Essentially, FTX sent its users deposits to cover up a hole for losses from Alameda's trading. Alameda was gambling with digital assets deposited by the users of FTX. At this point, it kind of begs the question, why would anyone do this? What mindset do you need to have to fall into this type of fraud and theft? Sam was born into a family of academics at Stanford and graduated with a degree in physics from MIT. He got his first taste of trading at Jane Street Capital, a prop trading firm in traditional markets. In 2017, he left Jane Street and worked briefly at the Center for Effective Altruism before he founded Alameda. Sam's mission was to contribute as much money as possible to effective altruism. He believed that he had a higher purpose and his value to the world would be through his donations. Effective altruism is kind of like philanthropy for geeks and there's some wonderful organizations operating in this field to just give well and give directly. It had been speculated that Sam was able to justify his actions through the cause. His policy was crypto or bust, and he believed that he had the moral high ground for the worst deeds because of the wider commitment to philanthropy. Sam also was active in US politics and was the second largest donor to the Democrats during the Biden campaign. He appeared before Congress and lobbied for regulations in the crypto sector. It was some of this lobbying that in the fall of 2022 came back to haunt him. CZ still owned a lot of the FTX's native governance token, which was probably the most liquid, significant asset on their balance sheet at the time. He'd gotten wind of SBF lobbying for regulators to focus their attention on Binance, which was in FTX's interest as a competitor. The person in charge of regulating the crypto industry in the US was Gary Gensler, chair of the SEC. He'd previously worked under Galen Ellison at MIT, who is none other than father of Alameda CEO Caroline Ellison. Probably not significant, but conspiracy theorists will love it. CZ, upset by what he sees as a backstabbing in DC, decides to start selling his FTT on the market and tweets about it publicly. An optimist might claim that this was for transparency, while a cynical person would say that this was to give short sellers a heads up and create a more selling pressure. Caroline then steps in and asks if she can buy the entire position at market price, which gets ignored. The FTT token starts to plummet while rumors are circulating that FTX and Alameda might not be solvent. This causes a bank run like we've never seen in crypto markets. Within 24 hours, nearly $6 billion of digital assets had been withdrawn from the platform. Withdrawals started to slow down and then stopped completely as users were unable to get to their funds. At this point, the writing was on the wall, but SBF was silent publicly. In private, it was rumored that he was approaching anyone and everyone for a bailout package in a region of six to eight billion. At this point, I don't think anyone really believed what was happening. I've been a blockchain developer for five years plus, and I've seen lots of scams and fraud, but nothing on this kind of scale. FTX was one of the most widely used and trusted organizations in the industry. On trading fees alone, they were making over a billion dollars per year, so there's no real reason for them to kind of commit this type of fraud or to take risks with users' funds. Then on November 8th, CZ and SBF tweeted simultaneously that Binance was looking to purchase FTX.com, depending on due diligence. It was later suggested that Binance never had any attention to buying the exchange and that the competition was already gone by that point. On November 10th, the FTX official Twitter account tweeted, Per our Bahamian headquarters regulations and regulators, we've begun to facilitate withdrawals of Bahamian funds. As such, you may have seen some withdrawals processed by FTX recently, as we complied with the regulators. This was later denied by regulators and law enforcement in the region. What may have been insiders trying to get funds out led to offers of $100,000 plus for anyone in the Bahamas with an FTX account from desperate traders trying to get their money out. At this point, FTT token had collapsed completely to around $3 from its peak of above $80. Other assets on FTX's balance sheet, such as blockchain Solana's native token, were also depreciating fast. By November 11th, the deal had fallen through, and FTX filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. The filing states that there are more than 100,000 creditors, and the amount owed exceeds $10 billion US dollars. The assets would be frozen, and a lengthy legal process would ensue. Or so we thought.
On November 12th, assets from Alameda's wallet started to move. There are unusual transactions which looked like they were trying to consolidate funds and avoid censorship at any cost. It was reported that a hacker had stolen 400 million in digital assets. This was obviously being done manually by someone that didn't have the technical skills to efficiently trade large positions. Someone had access to the FDX private keys and was escaping with the funds. Was this really a hack or was an insider trying to make one last ditch effort to give it all to effective altruism? At the time of publishing, Sam Bankman-Fry's whereabouts is unknown and the funds haven't been recovered. If you take one thing away from this video, I'd say that this wasn't a cryptocurrency problem. This wasn't the fault of Bitcoin or blockchain technology. This was a very human problem. There was fraud being committed by an individual or individuals within an organization on a massive scale. Now, as blockchain developers, we have this opportunity to build on decentralized networks with open, transparent financial transactions and trustless communications between peers. This gives us an opportunity to solve some of the problems we've seen in this recent episode. My name is James Pacini, and if you want to learn more about blockchain development and decentralized finance, then please subscribe to the channel and hit the like button for YouTube algorithm. Thank you for watching.